Welcome into Hitting Hard here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, who has to have the biggest bounce back season for the Atlanta Braves? You still have to draft, and it's why I get frustrated with the Falcons draft philosophy. All that next, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. We ask you to head to youtube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. When you get there, hit that subscribe button, leave us a comment. We are free and available, <coughs> excuse me, to download on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, all of your favorites. You can also check us out on Roku and Amazon Fire. Yes, we are available on those platforms as well. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So I was asking this question on radio last night. Who has to have the biggest bounce back season for the Atlanta Braves? And I know a lot of people's natural inclination is to say Ronald Acuna Jr., right? You know, he was hampered by injury last year, right? He came into spring training, you know, sort of like one arm tied behind his back, right? Coming off the season ending injury, we knew he was going to be slowed up. You know, he showed signs out in the field that he had fatigue and different things like that, right? But if you look at Ronald Acuna Jr.'s numbers, okay, played 119 games. If you extrapolate that over a 162-game season, his numbers were still 96, 97 runs scored, 30-plus doubles, still over 20 homers, would have been almost 40 steals. You know, he still had a, a plus 350 on base percentage, which that's the first thing you look at when your guy's hitting leadoff is what's your on base percentage. So even through all of that, he was able to produce some pretty good numbers when he played. But obviously, 119 games, you know, we're looking for that bounce back and things like that. And Brian Snicker said the other day on a radio show that, look, he's going to be healthy. He's going to have no governors on him and, and things like that. But I really do believe the guy that has to have the biggest bounce back year. For my money, it's Ozzy Albies. So Albies last year obviously only played 64 games, eight homers, 35 RBIs, hit 247 with a 294 on base percentage in a 409 slugging. Now that was a far cry from what last season was, right? The previous season where he was a hundred plus runs scored, a hundred plus RBI, 40 doubles, 30 homers, 259 with a 310 on base, 488 slugging and 800 OPS. He won the silver slugger. He was an all-star and he finished 13th in MVP voting. Then you go back to the pandemic year, right? In 2020, where it was the 60-game season. He only played in 29 games that year. So in two years, two out of the last three years, 
he's only had 93 games played. But the previous season in 2021, when you saw him play, you saw what an outstanding offensive piece he was. And here's the thing about why I say Ozzy, because it's the length of that lineup. One of the things that the Braves have been so good at is the length of their lineup. How deep are they? How many guys do they have? And when there's questions at shortstop, you know, I, I think Von Grissom can be a good shortstop, but does he be like, does he, is he more of the guy we saw hitting wise at the first part of when he got called up? Or is it a scenario where he's kind of more of the player that we saw toward the end of his run when he actually had to sit some days because he wasn't hitting very well? So what, what happens there? Okay, that's a real wild card. And then obviously left field. You got Marcelo Zuna. You've got Eddie Rosario. Eddie Rosario is going to be your starting left fielder on day one. You don't really know what those guys have. Ozuna may be a bust. Rosario, I don't know what he is. You know, before the eye surgery, he was dreadful. After the eye surgery, he won a whole lot better. So that's a big wild card, right? So there are some things that you look at. DH is with the Sean Murphy and Travis Darno. you know, look, how much longer can Darno be a pretty good major league hitter? Can, can he still give you the same kind of production that he has over the last couple few years? There are questions about that. So Ozzy bouncing back is so vitally important to keep that lineup length in place. You know, Ronnie, Michael Harris, Olsen, Riley, you, you know, Sean Murphy, you have to have Ozzy with that bounce back season. And whether or not he's a 30 homer, 100 RBI kind of guy, look, he was arguably two years ago, the best offensive second baseman in all of Major League Baseball. Silver Slugger, 13th, excuse me, in the MVP MVP voting, had an outstanding season. Can he get back to that kind of mark? I, I And, you know, I was one of those guys that was kind of going back and forth about whether or not Ozzie Albies long-term was a top-of-the-order hitter or should be in the middle of your lineup as a run producer. And I've kind of settled in that he's a middle-of-the-order hitter. You know, when you've got Michael Harris and Ronald Acuna Jr. at the very top two positions, and, you know, again, obviously replacing Dansby in that second spot, right? That'll be Michael Harris's job to replace Dansby in that two-hole, I believe. But Ozzy is one of those guys that you see the production. He's had 40 doubles three different times in his career. And now he became that 100 RBI guy a couple of years ago. We always knew he could score runs. We always knew he could get around on the bases. He stole 20 bases two years ago, you know, in that 30 homer, 100 RBI year. He stole 20 bases. You know that he can do all of that kind of stuff. But when he's allowed to just kind of mash and produce, you saw what the results were. So when I look at this, Ozzy's got to have that bounce back year because you have a wild card at shortstop. And I'm not defensively worried about him, but you really, if, if Ozzy can't be healthy, you know, and, and if he can't get it back on track, you know, he played 156 games in 2021, and he's played 93 
you know, in the pandemic year and then last year. If he can't have that kind of bounce back to where he's healthy and productive, it shortens up the length of your lineup. You have to burn more infielders. And since you have a wild card at shortstop, you don't know what the production is going to be, both from defensively and offensively, what it's going to be. So I do believe that Ozzy is the number one guy that has to have that bounce back season. And if he can get back on track to what he was in 2021, Braves are going to have a really good and deep lineup. All right, I want to talk about my friends over at FanDuel. Listen, the Super Bowl is just about here, right? We'll be looking at the Super Bowl come next week. But we're excited about our new sports betting partner with the Locked On FanDuel is the number one sports book in America. And we've got a great deal for new customers that sign up today at FanDuel. So here's what we've got going on. Sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. You'll get $150 in free bets guaranteed just by placing your first $5 bet. Sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel's got all of your money line bets, point spreads, player props, and you can even get a chance to make a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So look, it's an app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. And if you're thinking about betting on the Super Bowl or whatever, if you're going to you know, bet on the NBA or college basketball, all of it's available to you. But when you place that first $5 bet and you sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, you'll get $150 in free bets, win or lose. It's guaranteed, but you'll get $150 with your first $5 bet on FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports book of the NFL. And we, of course, remind you to, besides making Hitting Hard with John Trucker your first listen every day, make LockedOn Sports today your second listen Biggest stories of the day, instant reaction, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. So, all right, there's an article, and this has got me, I'm, I'm all distracted. Like, I'm all fired up about this, okay? There's an article on NFL.com from Jeffrey Chadia, C-H-A-D-I-H-A, Okay. And they talk about making moves and the way the NFL is. Let, let's put it like this. Here's what they say. Team builders in the NFL today are wheeling and dealing in ways their predecessors likely never would have dreamed of. What drives some to take big swings and how is it paying off on the Super Bowl stage? And then they go right into Thomas Dimitrov. They literally say, Thomas Dimitrov heard the sage words of advice, the concern in his mentor's voice, and then he made a bold choice to ignore all of it. Okay, so they talked to Thomas Dimitrov in this article, and Thomas Dimitrov talks about the advice that he got from Bill Belichick, talking to his mentor, Bill Belichick, and he talks about on draft day when he talked to Bill Belichick, and he said, when I talked to Bill that day, I told him that he'd always taught me to know your organization better than anybody else. When I went against this advice, that was a revolutionary moment for me. Oh, God. Okay. So, obviously, Thomas Dimitrov didn't know his own organization. Let, let's talk about, first, the 2011 draft. 
That's the Julio draft, right? Okay. Why could you draft Julio? Well, maybe Thomas didn't know it at this time. He could have asked me. I could have understood. You had your franchise quarterback in place in Matt Ryan. You had your dominant running back as the best free agent signing in the history of the Falcons, a 1,700-yard double-digit touchdown guy in Michael Turner. You had a terrific wide receiver in Roddy White, but a guy who couldn't stretch the field. He wasn't a stretch-the-field kind of guy. And you had your offensive line in place, McClure and um, uh, Claybo and guys like that. And... In 2010, you had a guy that had 13 sacks who would have another nine and a half sack season in 2011, the year that you drafted Julio. So you had a guy in John Abraham that had 22 and a half sacks over a two-year period. That's more than the Falcons had last year. That's more than the Falcons had this year. You didn't know your roster. But you rolled the dice in drafting a guy all oh, against all the advice. It made all the sense in the world. You drafted a high caliber impact player that influenced your roster greatly. And maybe he's the best Falcons player of all time. This wasn't, this wasn't a scenario where, you know, you just on a whim and, and just, you know, oh, well, you know, we're not going to draft. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Obviously, you didn't know your roster, Thomas. But the point is to all of this, they go into the Rams and how they're built. And I saw Jerry Jones's comment the other day that, oh, well, the Eagles are just going all in and they're not thinking about the future. What? Oh, they're the Rams of this year. What? Jiminy Christmas. So how did the Eagles get to this point of they won the Super Bowl like five years ago? They're back in the Super Bowl. Did, did they just sign all free agents and, and go with that super team and this, that, and the other? No. They they drafted Jalen Hurts and Devonta Smith and um, Miles Sanders and guys like that and Jordan Davis and Josh Sweat. Those are all draft picks. Those guys are all draft picks that they hit on. And then they compared to the Rams. You know, Jerry Jones talked about the Rams. And, and this article talks about the Rams. Oh, well, the Rams said F the draft picks and all that. Yeah, when they were a Super Bowl team, three years before they won the Super Bowl. Let me repeat, before they won the Super Bowl, they were a Super Bowl team. Well, how did that team in, what was it, 2019, how were they built? Well, let's see, Jared Goff. Oh, they drafted him. Todd Gurley. Oh, they drafted him. Cooper Cup. Oh, they drafted him. Aaron Donald. Oh, they drafted him. And on and on and on and on. You still have to draft your team. Why do you think Dan Quinn is being talked about for NFL head coaching. And I know he's going back to Dallas, but interviewed for head coaching jobs. Always oh, turned the Cowboys defense around. Why? Because they drafted Micah Parsons. 
they drafted maybe the most dominant pass rusher we've seen since Lawrence Taylor. When you draft guys and you hit on this, and I'm going to tie this into the Falcons in a little bit here. When you draft guys, that's how you build your team. That's why the 49ers are successful. They, they drafted Brock Purdy. They draft Joey Bosa. Whether you draft, look, here's the thing. The Super Bowl team in Kansas City, you draft Pat Mahomes with the 10th pick of the draft. He becomes the best player in the NFL. Then last year, you drafted Creed Humphrey in the second round. And when he finishes with the highest grade of a rookie in pro football focus, and then this year, he was second team all pro. When you hit on your draft picks, you transform your franchise. You transform it. You think it's coincidence? Look, here's the three things. You have good to great quarterback play, outstanding quarterback play. You have a really good offensive line and a really good defensive line. That's how you win all the time in the NFL. And when you hit on guys in the draft that transform your franchise, it changes everything. How about the Detroit Lions, right? They were the laughing stock of the NFL for so many years. What happened? They finished nine and eight this year, just missed the playoffs, but they were above 500 this year. And it's no small coincidence that three things happened. Jared Goff, who was cast off and traded from the Rams and they moved on from their, you know, franchise quarterback. Jared Goff was a Super Bowl quarterback who played really well, what, 29 touchdowns and seven interceptions? And then what did they do? Last, or, or in 2021, they drafted Panay Sewell, who transformed their entire offensive line, who the Falcons should have drafted, but we'll get into that discussion another time. And then they drafted Aiden Hutchinson, who was a dominant defensive lineman as a rookie. So let's see, you had good quarterback playing, you, you drafted a transformative offensive lineman, and you drafted a transformative defensive lineman. And, and voila, gee, miracle, above miracles, the Lions, who were the laughing stock of the NFL for years, were above 500. Have we been above 500 recently? Oh, we haven't? I don't want, miss me with the whole, well, we could have won the, the NFC South. Miss me with that whole discussion. You've been a below 500 team for five years now. Falcons have been five years below 500. And, and I'm again, I'm going to tie this into the, what the Falcons are and everything. But you still have to draft your guys. When you draft Pat Mahomes and Creed Humphrey, when you draft Aiden Hutchinson and Panay Sewell, when you draft Micah Parsons, when you draft those guys, they're young, they're cheap, they're outstanding players. The Eagles are not a one-hit wonder because Jalen Hurts has played well. Devontae Smith has played well. Um, you know, they're running back. I mean, go all down the list. And again, when you're a Super Bowl team, then you can say F the draft picks and we'll build a different way. But to get to that point, to get to a point of 
you're a good, competent franchise that's a playoff contender year over year. You have to draft well. This whole mythology and this whole revisionist history about the way things have been built. Be good at court. If you can be outstanding in three places, be outstanding at quarterback, be outstanding on the offensive line, be outstanding on your defensive line. It's no small thing that the uh, that the Cincinnati Bengals drafted really well to get Joe Burrow, to get Jamar Chase and guys like that. And then you can add the free agent piece and things like that. But when you don't hit home runs and grand slams in your draft and you're floundering around and searching for people, you get stuck in the muck and the mire. So Jerry's completely wrong. Thomas Dimitrov didn't know his organization. The Rams were, weren't built by free agents when they were in the Super Bowl the first year. They parlayed that into being a Super Bowl champion. This is all revisionist history from all of these people that don't know what their organization is or don't really know what's going on. All right, we thank you for uh, making Hitting Heart with John Trucker your first listen every day. Make sure you make Locked On Sports today your second listen, biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast from. So how do we tie all of this into the Falcons? Okay, this is why I get so frustrated. So be outstanding at quarterback. Be outstanding on your offensive line. Be outstanding on your defensive line. You will never lose when those things happen. If you're good in those three spots, you're a good franchise that can be in contention every year. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The 49ers are the best line of scrimmage team. They've had two coaches and three quarterbacks over 11 years and still have had five conference championship games to, to play in. Why? Because they're outstanding on their offensive and defensive line. When you draft Eric Armstead and Joey Bosa and Fred Warner and those guys, then you can also, and, and even Brock Purdy, then you can add pieces in and say, okay, we can go get Trent Williams a handful of years ago. Okay, we can go get Arden Key and guys like that. And it's why the Falcons, uh, or sorry, Nick Bosa, um, it's why the Falcons, it's why the Falcons draft philosophy is so puzzling. You're not outstanding at quarterback. You are a really good offensive line, and you kind of proved that last year, and you're a dreadful defensive line. And you wonder why the Falcons can't get over the hump, why it's five straight losing seasons, why we just can't figure it out while we're drafting wide receivers and where we're using our high capital to draft wide receivers and uh, tight ends and unicorns and everything else. You wonder why. You wonder why the Detroit Lions became a above 500 team. Because they got good quarterback play. They drafted their franchise offensive linemen. They drafted their franchise defensive linemen. You wonder why the Cowboys' defense has turned it around. Because you drafted your franchise defensive line player. This is not hard. This is, this is mind-blowing. And I'm reading these mock drafts of cornerback. I've read about four or five mock drafts that have the Falcons taking a cornerback. 
Joey Porter Jr., the kid out of Alabama. And I'm thinking, those guys are standing 10 yards away from where the ball is spotted. How does that help our team? What wins in the NFL is quarterback play, offensive line, defensive line. If you sign McGarry and you get a left guard, you got your offensive line fixed. And by the way, it isn't no small that Lindstrom is arguably the top interior offensive lineman in the league. You drafted him. McGarry had his best season in the NFL. You drafted him. And you need to keep your draft picks. And Jake Matthews is a really good left tackle. You drafted him. And now we're talking cornerbacks, unicorns, wide receivers. No wonder we can't be good. No, no wonder the Falcons can't be a good franchise. We do everything the opposite way. Oh, best player available. Well, that doesn't win in the NFL. That doesn't win. You have to have the building blocks of a franchise. Your quarterback, your offensive line, your defensive line. And with Thomas Dimitrov, oh, well, I, you know, went against the grain. No. You had your quarterback and your offensive line and your defensive line, and you had all the pieces in place. You could do that. You could get Julio Jones because you had everything else built. So you don't understand. You had it all built. You invested your high draft capital and free agent money and trade and all that kind of stuff to build those building blocks. Then you can go get those pieces. But when you don't have those things in place, when you don't have the building blocks that it takes to build the foundation of an NFL football team, then you flutter around, flounder around. We're five years of losing. No wonder Arthur, or Arthur Blank is going to pull his hair out. No wonder he's all frustrated. It's no wonder. Build it the right way. There is only one way to build it. You build from the interior out. You build at the quarterback, your offensive line, your defensive line. That's what keeps you consistently winning in the NFL. But when you go unicorns, wide receivers, cornerbacks, and all that kind of stuff, those guys don't influence your team. The number one reason, the number one reason Dan Quinn has even been considered to be a head coach again is because of Micah Parsons. The only reason he's even in the discussion to be a head coach in the NFL is Micah Parsons. If you took Micah Parsons off the Cowboys roster, you think that they're coming after Dan Quinn? You think that he's being talked about in head coaching circles? No. Because they'd be back to being an average defense and things like that. When you draft these guys and you build it the right way, that's how the foundation of an NFL team is built. Yeah, once you build those things and you're in the Super Bowl, then you can talk about wide receivers, unicorns, cornerbacks, free agent money. You know, and, and, and they make the point in the article about the fact that, you know, here's what Thomas Dimitrov said. 
Years ago, you'd get a chance to draft five quarterbacks and hire five head coaches when you were a general manager. That's not the case anymore. That's his quote. Yeah, you know why? Because when the owner's spending, the pay, the, the salary cap payroll is a quarter billion dollars. Let me repeat that. The salary cap is a quarter billion dollars. When you're spending that kind of money as an owner, you don't have time to wait. You don't have time to figure it out and try to get good years down the road. When you didn't have free agency and all that, when you were the Steelers of the 70s, you had to build through the draft and live with your draft picks and develop them. <coughs> you didn't have free agent. You didn't have money to Build it the right way. And it's why I get so frustrated when I hear best player available and things like that. And guess what it's gotten us? Five years of losing. When you don't hit on your draft picks and you don't build it the right way, where do you think your franchise is going to be? Floundering around, fuddling around, futzing around, and it's five years of losing. Maddening, maddening. It's so simple. It, it's so much easier than what it really has. You know, what it, what it it's not nearly as difficult as, it, as what it has to be. All right, we thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Trucker your first listen every day. Make Locked On Sports today your second listen. Biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. We ask you to head to YouTube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. Headed towards 6,000 subscribers. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a comment. We are free and available to download on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your favorites from. Download us for free there today. Roku and Amazon Fire, we are available on those platforms as well. And then give me a follow at JMCH316 on my personal Twitter page. We'll be back with you on Monday. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. 